watch movie based on video games. Think to yourself, this is kind of strange. Mario is British, Luigi's Latino, and Cuba's played by a goddamn weirdo. Well, that's video games and movie. Video games and movie. Video games and movie. Okay. Hey guys, uh, it's been uh, a while. I think the last episode we recorded was in 2017, James and I. It's a little difficult to uh, do the show. Uh, obviously, the show you're listening to is Video Games the Movie, the podcast where we talk about movies that are based on or related to video games. I'm your host, Blaine J, and with me today is not James Mulholland, but instead Winnie the Pooh Bear, my friend Winston. What's up, bro? Yeah, uh, we watched a, a movie together, and, and Wynn's going to probably be joining me uh, more often than not when we do get these episodes out. Uh, we may not get on a regular schedule, but we're going to try and like watch some movies together related to video games or like shows related to video games and uh, get these out on a semi-regular basis again, maybe, because I did have a lot of people that were like, hey, we really miss video games movie. Where'd it go? And it's like, well, it was just a little bit much for James and I to try and get together um that frequently to be able to record uh, two shows and if you're wondering about the sound quality uh, I'm not using uh, my normal microphone I'm using an onboard microphone on a zoom so it might sound a little different than the uh, normal quality but the the condenser microphone that I normally use for myself wasn't picking up Winston well unless like he leaned into it to where it, we were kind of like making out uh, occasionally, which is a, a little strange. This one picks up the room a little bit better, but doesn't isn't quite as high of uh, quality. Anyway, the movie that Winston brought over, um, and also uh, I should mention that James sent me the book a couple years ago, so I have read the book as well, is oh. uh, relatively recent. It's um, Ready Player One, and it really should be called like Nostalgia, the movie, because what this thing is, mm. is it's really just uh, Ode to the 80s, uh, you're going to see a lot of things throughout the film. Uh, like, Winston, I think this is maybe your third time watching the film, at least. Probably doesn't. <laughs> yeah. And I was pointing things out. He didn't notice. Uh, I'd be like, yeah. hey, there's a battle toad. Or, uh, hey, there's whatever. You it know, probably but, happened real quick, but Blaine has a good eye for that shit. <laughs> I, I do. Uh, and a lot of just stuff in the background that you're like, holy shit, there's so-and-so from whatever. And I saw Belonka for like a half second from Street Fighter Two. Uh, just all kinds of stuff in the background going on constantly. Uh, the premise of the show is there's this kid. Do you remember his name? Wade. Wade. I remember his last name. Of course. He's a Deadpool reference. And uh, not really. But um, Wade is uh, this kid in the future, not so distant future, I believe, like the 2050s. And uh, the world's gone to yes. shit. Everyone's poor for the most part. Wade lives in this area called the Stacks, mm -hmm. where they literally stack... Um, trailers on top of each other and people live but people are basically doing their everyday jobs just to get to be able to play this game that everyone is addicted to where you log in online through VR and you can do virtually anything there's uh, everything from racing games to fighting games to role-playing games to uh, simulation you know sex whatever whatever you want to do there are games and they're all within this one game I can't remember what it was called the Oasis the Oasis of course it's a big yeah. world of just many many games is what it looks like <laughs> yeah just anything anything you want to do is within there you can play tennis you can do whatever your avatar can look like 
whatever you want to look like, but if you go to PvP areas, whatever loot and money that you've gotten uh, can be taken from you permanently, which comes into play in the film at least, mm-hmm. and, and the book as well, uh, you, where you just lose all your shit and you got to start, start over from scratch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, this main kid, Wade, he's trying to do something wherein there are these two guys that created a company think uh steve jobs and uh wozniak um i think in the movie they're called something james halliday and ogden morrow right uh, played by uh, ogden morrow played by uh simon Pegg. simon Pegg, right and the I, other guy looks real familiar if you see him but his name is mark rylance i have no idea who he is or what he's done yeah. but um they they play basically steve jobs and wozniak mm-hmm. in that uh, the one guy is very eccentric and is the uh, brains behind a lot of it, and the other guy is more of a workhorse, normal guy, mm-hmm. and the one guy falls completely into this game and puts everything of him into it and ends up dying relatively young, uh, Steve Jobs again, mm-hmm. and uh, he creates this contest where if you figure out where the three keys are, you uh, basically Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, his whole fucking company, That's right. and uh, you get to own it, and they're creates this uh, subgenre of players called gunters, mm-hmm. right? Um, sixers is what they call sixers. them. Well, yeah. No, the six, the gunters are the people that are trying to get the keys. The sixers oh, are right. that, that, that shitty company, company. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that are, that. there's this whole company that is trying to uh, win the prize, and they have just hundreds of people, yeah, and gunters. Take, take trying, over the game world and use it like a business, too. Uh, yeah, and then you got like these freelancers that are like in it for themselves, of which the main character Wade is one of mm-hmm. uh, very early on. He has a best friend H. that is H, who you think is a guy that turns out to be a lesbian woman, a <laughs> lesbian black woman, which, you know, that's cool. That's refreshing that that's represented. And then mm-hmm. uh, he meets up with a girl who Artemis. Artemis, who is like his love interest. Yep. But uh, he learns, you know, in the book it's kind of gross. Uh, the way they do it, it's like, oh, I love you despite of your disfigurement in the movie. Like, the disfigurement in question is literally just a red birthmark on her face. And I think that's all it really is in the book, too. And pretty grossly, the writer of this book also wrote, like, uh, Ernest Klein, I think his name is, wrote um, mm-hmm. porn that was, like, about gamer girls and stuff early on. And a lot of his stuff, like, uh, when read from, like, a, a woke perspective which i'm trying to become more woke every day myself (laughs) it's like ew it's a little gross uh really what carries this book in particular and the movie are all the references from the 80s it just makes you feel good to see the delorean Mm -hmm. from back to the future to see king kong to see you know all these cool references of different stuff like the movie itself is pretty good so you're talking about the book quick question about the book do you happen to know when it was written I want to say it was uh, like 2005 or something. It wasn't all that long ago. Okay, and most of the references in the book are like 80s era? Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. 100%. Almost all 80s. I mean, there's some 70s stuff in there, obviously, like uh, the game adventure and stuff like that. And uh, uh, That might explain why the key locations are a little different in the movie. Because I was wondering that, too, what they references they make in the book versus the movie. Because the movie, they have some... Like, you saw Battletoads and stuff, but there's also some, some newer ones, which you probably didn't know, like the... The Jim Rayner one, they have the newest version of Jim Rayner from StarCraft Two on there, which is kind of neat. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't notice in a lot of the newer stuff. Like, I wouldn't notice, honestly. But I did catch a lot of the older stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I can't remember exactly how it went down in the book because it has been over like a year since I've read it. Uh, but the first key in the book is found when he figures out a way to um, find a dungeon that was like uh, the creator's mm. favorite dungeon from Dungeons and Dragons. And he goes there and he plays a lich uh, game of Centipede and can't beat him. And then uh, for some reason thinks to ask the lich if he can play from the player two perspective instead of player one and somehow that enables him to be able to beat it and oh, he gets neat. the first key that way which is pretty dumb but it's not <laughs> as dumb as in the movie yeah because what happens in the movie when but looking back like when i first saw him like oh this movie is so fucking cool i love this movie yeah me and blaine watch it and he points out you know how easy that first puzzle was to solve so what mm-hmm. the first puzzle is takes him a while to even discover that what it, the puzzle is but it's a it's race like 10 years yeah yeah there's no way that'd take 10 years they yeah devs would find that the first day <laughs> So many people trying to do that, it'd, it'd be quick. Yeah. But it's a race, and everyone, you know, it's a... Uh, I always make a reference to, like, that Looney Tunes, and they do it in Scooby-Doo, where they have, like, a death race, kind of, and they try yeah, to yeah, yeah. knock each other out, and that's kind of what this race is. But every time you get near the end, there's King Kong right up there at the finish line, and he always knocks you down whenever you try to jump over this little ramp from all the destruction the end, yeah. he makes. And finally, he gets a clue, eventually, like, later in the series, he does some research, and he's like, hmm... What's his face says to go when you're on the race is you should go full speed backwards really fast. So he's like, huh, I'm gonna try that. And it works, of course. He just goes underneath the whole race and then so comes dumb. out the back. So dumb. And then Blaine's like, yeah, someone would have found that out real quick. There's only two ways to go on the fucking track. I mean, come yeah. on. And how many times <laughs> have you played a game, either yourself or with a little kid or just whatever, around, yeah. and you're just messing around and you just go backwards Whoa. on the track and it says wrong way, wrong way. And there's only like 20 feet in a wall. And someone would have thought at some point, I wonder uh, how cool it would be if I just blew up against that wall. You know, or some little kid didn't know what button to press or whatever, and they just went backwards against the wall, and then all of a sudden they're underneath everything. They're like, cool. Yeah, and that's, you know. Blaine might disagree a little bit. That, after he pointed that out, that's probably the only part of this movie that I'm kind of annoyed with, I guess. Other than that, I, it's, it's all right. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, again, like, I don't particularly like the whole, like, you know, this girl is, like, so ashamed uh, of the way she yeah. looks when she's clearly a gorgeous girl yeah she's very and it's like there's nothing like oh you little got a little mark. little red birthmark on your face oh my god you're scarred it reminds me of zoolander oh. 2 where have you seen that where uh when i was drunk yeah, so yeah. No. <laughs> well there's the one character played by uh the oh gosh the blonde guy i can't owen wilson oh yes um yeah. and he's like no, no my skip my face is too scarred and he's like no let me see he's got like a mask on like family office style and he takes it off and he's like oh god put it back on and there's just like the tiniest little tiny tiny scar on his face yeah that reminds me of that it's like you're way like if, if she literally had like a tumor or something growing yeah. out of her eye okay <laughs> i get it you love her in spite of the fact that she looks like you know whatever mm-hmm. but this is nothing and they play it off as, a, as though it's so huge you know and mm-hmm. it's just literally not and then after that, she's not insecure about it, really. It not at like, all, yeah. <laughs> she just instantly becomes oh, whatever. Oh, normal, guys. Uh, other thing that was different from the book and the movie I noticed was uh, the Wozniak-type character played by Simon Pegg mm-hmm. in the book uh, isn't the butler at the museum. Oh, they yeah. added that. He gets the extra life in the book by playing a Pac-Man machine and beating uh, the mm-hmm. creator's high score. Um, this, the other keys, I can't remember where the second one came from now for the life of me. The uh, second key? Yeah. Uh, the second key, they go to, they do the shining. 
Oh, that's right. Yeah. Then that's not in the book. It's weird. The Shining is not in the book. That's another thing that they do that's a nostalgia thing. I guess The Shining was like 1980 or something like that. Nah. It, was, it was either like the late 70s or the early 80s. Um, and they reference that. And, you know, whatever. That's cool. Kubrick's awesome. Um, the, well, the thing about when they get into the, the Shining thing, uh, H, his buddy, has never seen The Shining. Mm-hmm. Of course, wanders off by himself and gets into some crap. But they walk in the mansion, and there's a timer on the wall, and they only have, like, five minutes to find the key. Yeah. And they have no idea what to do, and they, they figure out some crap with James Halliday uh, and a girl that he was with, he had dated. It's actually uh, Ogden's wife. Right. Or yeah. Ends up that he There's a puzzle in there. Eventually marries the girl that got away, for, and that's part of the book, too. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 they go on, like, one date, but he's too nervous to um, do anything about it. And ends up later on down the line, she ends up marrying the Simon Pegg character. Uh, okay. But, and then the last key is gotten uh, by playing Adventure, which is mm-hmm. basically the same as the book. The uh, it, They did it a little differently, but basically the same. They want you to, yeah. he wanted you to find the very first Easter egg in a video game, which is credited to Adventure, where the creator, uh, very famously angry at the fact that the uh, company would not credit him for a game that he <laughs> largely made himself, uh, decided to put in an Easter egg where it's created by in his name that you had to walk around the d- dark, find a black dot, bring it to um, a designated area, and the, the message would appear. Um, very cool. It's hard to believe there was a time where uh, developers were like, no, you can't have your name on this, even though you made it entirely yourself. Yeah, that's weird. I was um, going to ask why that was. It's kind of strange. Because they, <laughs> they didn't want like uh, good developers to get notoriety, because if you did, then all of a sudden you might be in demand, and another company uh. might be like, oh, we want so-and-so to make games for us so they would offer you more money and they could keep you. Oh, so they wanted to kind of enslave you. <laughs> In a sense, yeah. It'd be like if I was a writer and I didn't get to use my name and like my books became popular but no one knew who I was so no other company could come after me to snipe me or offer me more money to write for them. That's basically what was going on. And uh, then guys like this guy, I can't remember his name. Uh, the first uh, like developer I can remember that really became a household name was uh, David Crane. He was also an Atari developer. He made Pitfall. And famously, he's also the creator of E.T., although they only gave him like six weeks or something to create that monstrosity. And he, for that short period of time, he actually created a pretty decent game. But uh, he was the first guy that got enough notoriety to where people started like noticing, oh, David Crane was on this game, and they would buy the game because he was the developer. And then later on, guys uh-huh. like Tim Schafer, Ron Gilbert, they became uh, household names. And, of course, everybody knows like Sid Meier. Uh, Sid Meier's Civilization, or whatever. Uh, like, Tom Clancy's not a developer, I believe he's a writer, but also, like, Tom Clancy's this and that. You hear all that. So, you get to know these names, and you'll uh, you'll buy the game because of that, the same way you will an author, you know. And uh, you said when they played Adventure, that's an Atari game, right? Yeah, it's an Atari oh. title. Uh, some people would argue it's one of the first, like, RPGs. It's kind of close. Um, Is I it mean, good? No, I mean, no. for... For the Atari, yes. Yeah. Uh, the, I, I'm uh, long been on the record that the Atari is not really a playable system outside of like your Pac-Man's, your Galaga, your Fraga, or you know uh-huh. games of this nature are okay, um, and that's really all the system can handle. Hero is a pretty amazing platformer uh, for the Atari, 
and it'd be a pretty mediocre one for the Nintendo. So mm. Atari for me doesn't have a whole lot going on for it. I understand it was like integral, uh, just as the Magnavox or the early Pong machines or whatever were. Uh, to go back to them now for me is just impossible. Uh, I'd like yeah. to think, and uh, you know, and I'm almost forty, and uh, guys your age, Winston, you're, he's only in his late twenties. Um, there's no way that uh, that would hold your attention whatsoever. I mean, it's it's hard enough finding Nintendo games for guys mm-hmm. your age to get into. There's really only less than twenty, I'd on say. The, on the plus side, though, I, I I actively try to like some retro games. Mm-hmm. Like I don't uh, I don't just oh this sucks or whatever, but uh. From what you told me about the Atari, I, <laughs> I no, don't think it, I could even rough. start it up. <laughs> I mean, they're they're very, you know, uh, simple. That's the best way to describe them. Um, even the quote unquote good games like Pac Man do- doesn't look and play like Pac Man. Mm-hmm. Um, the, and the thing is, like everything that's good about the Atari, you can get elsewhere uh, on a, a better version of. Um, the only reason mm-hmm. to play Atari is pure nostalgia at this point um so yeah That's, anyway yeah. <laughs> he in the end uh of course our main character and spoiler alert he uh he wins the prize he splits it amongst his team mm-hmm. which consists of the two aforementioned uh players and the two other guys we didn't mention uh, D- uh daito and show daito and show which yeah. we learned that show is actually an 11 year old boy yes. and he's one of the biggest badasses yeah. in this universe. He's a ninja. He's an 11-year-old boy. Yeah, he's an 11-year-old <laughs> boy. He's, he kind of reminds me. And a little, you know, I mean, he's, you know, obviously uh, <laughs> uh, Chinese or whatever, Japanese. Uh-huh. But um, uh, they they really play that up the same kind of way that uh, they did a short round in the early, um, like, Indiana Jones movies. Dr. Jones, oh, Dr. Yeah, like, they really... About played that up and it, it feels a little gross in 2019 it's like okay i get it he's ethnic but you don't really have to lean on it that hard but you know whatever uh he is funny you know he's like why don't you tell people you're 11 he's like would you uh what would you do if you knew i was 11 you'd come after me every day you know it's like you want my shit but if i you know in game if i'm just this amazing ninja that's quiet you have no idea you know and it's, it's also definitely a bit of a feel-good movie too like oh yeah so, sometimes yeah, yeah. movies like that you're like oh that's dumb why would they do that that wouldn't happen if this were real blah blah oh, a bad guy would win there that's, no, that's dumb it's it's still good enough though <laughs> no it, it's, a, it's a good movie it's a good watch uh especially if you lived through any part of the 80s or 90s uh you'll see a lot of nostalgia stuff that uh, that'll be good enough to hook you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the, the same can be said with the book. I have heard that the uh, the second book by uh, Robert second. Klein uh, in this universe, uh, it's like called Andromeda or something. I I don't have it in front oh, of me. I don't know. But uh, was so bad that uh, it like sold minuscule compared to Ready Player One. Uh, I haven't read it. Uh, largely due to if everyone says something is shit, I'm not going to, like, eat it. You know what I mean? It's like, if everyone says, uh, like, if you look up a restaurant on Yelp and it's, like, 100%, just, like, 100 people rated, zero, and, like, the top comments were found feces in my food, you know, or something, I'm not going to go there to eat. You know what I mean? I'm not going to spend a day or two days reading a book when everyone says it's crap. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to waste my time seeing a movie that everyone says is crap, unless it's so bad it's good. But a book, though, a book's a little more of an investment, you know. So I missed my opportunity for a joke. I didn't want to throw it in too early because I thought we were going to go back to it. But oh, yeah. uh, Blaine mentions uh, the place where Wade lives is called the the Stacks. The stacks. Yeah. yeah. 
Like I said, it's a bunch of trailers just stacked onto each other. It's like it's like white trash has got stories now. They're all just high tech. You know? <laughs> like, it it, it kind of <laughs> is. And at one point they like yeah, it's, it's true actually. In the book, I think they destroy all of the stacks, and they're described as being like so high that they're dangerous, regardless. In in oh, the movie, yeah. the, they kind of have some structural integrity to them or whatever. And mm-hmm. Wade is living not with his parents but with his aunt and yes. uh, her boyfriend or whatever. Her douchebag boyfriend. Douchebag yeah. boyfriend that like steals all his shit and. Spends all their money on, in the Oasis. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, typical. It's like you could almost see that. I mean, that, that rings true. But, yeah, overall, man, if you haven't seen this movie and you're a fan of uh, video games and stuff and, like, 90s nostalgia, I, I think you could do a lot worse than see this. It's a Spielberg joint. It feels mm-hmm. like a Spielberg movie. It does. Um, high, high production value. Mm-hmm. Overall, pretty good. Yes, yes. Yeah. This movie actually... Uh, while I'm thinking about it, as soon as it came out, like within a week, copies of Adventure went from being worth a dollar to being worth like twenty and thirty dollars. What? Oh because all these like millennials are sitting there. I gotta have a copy of Adventure. Oh, let's like, make yeah, some buck on these dummies. Of, <laughs> yeah, one of the most common. Same with the ET cartridge. Most common. Yeah, it's a very common uh, RT or uh, Atari RG. game. There's, oh. They're literally in the millions, you know. It's like same with ET. ET was one of the most common games, and after the Atari, there was this legend, quote unquote, that wasn't a legend at all. It's now known to be fact, where uh, they buried a bunch of Atari carts because they just made too many and couldn't oh, sell yeah. them, yeah, and yeah. then they dug them all up in Arizona or wherever it was, and uh, dug a few hundred up, and then everybody wanted a copy of ET. And it went from being worth like two or three dollars to being worth twenty dollars overnight. Now it's stabilized a little, but yeah, anytime something like that happens, there's like a window where you can sell this stuff uh, for a buku amount of money because people are dumb. Yeah. Michael, Michael Jackson died. Moonwalker went from being a fifteen dollar game to a sixty dollar game. Aww. You know, stuff stuff like that. You know, and not that you can predict Michael Jackson dying, but if yeah. you if you were to hear about uh, something like the Atari landfill dig before it happened, you could buy, theoretically buy like a hundred copies of ET and think, okay, my hundred dollar investment is going to quadruple, you know, I may make, or even tenfold or whatever. I might make $10,000 off this, you know, something (laughs) like that. So yeah, that'd be, that'd be cool. Unfortunately, I didn't think to do that. Um, Yeah. So this is a pretty good episode, inaugural episode. I don't know what else to say. Usually we keep these things only about 20 or 30 minutes. So mm, I could talk about it for a while, but uh, you're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This this particular uh, podcast is brought to you by uh, Citrus Jammer, uh, the Six Point Brewery beers. We bought a uh, rye bought a uh, 15 pack of a sampler of various sours because Winston hadn't tried sours yet. Boy, they are good. Let me tell you. And they are <laughs> delicious. Uh, we wish that they sponsored us for real instead of just the fact that we're drinking while we're podcasting. But anyway, uh, do you have anywhere people can contact you if they just want to make fun of you or something? Oh, me? I mean, you could look me up on Blaine's Facebook. Winston Grant Spradley, there's that. Yeah, you can check him out on uh, Winston Grant Spradley if you want to, like, talk to Winnie (laughs) the Pooh. You can talk to me uh, at Twitter at RetroCal. You can find me uh, on Is It Worth It podcast on Facebook. Um, That's our other podcast that we do, James and I do, about uh, retro video games. Although not so much retro anymore. We'll just do a video game a month about whatever it is we want to do. And that's a great show as well. Be sure to check that out. It's part of the Retro RPG podcast feed. Also check them out. Derek and Don are doing some more episodes lately. So very cool that they're coming back. Um, And check out our friends at the RPG show. They're the guys that host this show. 
and uh, they do great work where they talk about RPGs of various eras. And that would be my daughter who just walked in the door. Um, she's really wanting to hang out with us, and uh, I guess we've been podcasting a little too long. Say hello, Caroline. Hello. Hello. Hi. So, uh, yeah, you, you can find me in all those places. You can also email me at uh, SimmonBelmont at uh, Outlook.com. Uh, it's been a while since I got an email. Most people uh, find us on <laughs> Discord. We share a Discord with the RPG Show. So if you're catching this, uh, go over to the RPG Show podcast or search that in your uh, search bar, and you can find uh, their website where you will find links to join the Discord. Or you can just message me directly. I'll give you a link. Um, yeah, so that's about it. So until then, uh, you know, I always say keep it retro, but do whatever the hell you want, and we'll see you next time. Later. Peace. Come with me And you'll be In a world of your imagination Take a look And you'll see Into your imagination Spin, traveling